This is a podcast by the Positive Psychology People. Positive Psychology and Mental Health Clearing the Path. The ethics of working with clients who are mentally unwell is a hot topic in the world of positive psychology and coaching. It can seem a grey space especially as clients aren't always aware of the differences between counselling, psychology, therapy or coaching, or the range of modalities used, from talking to hypnotherapy, EFT to somatic bodywork. It can be difficult for clients to sift through all the options and find what is right for them. So how do we support clients to understand what we do? And if we feel that we're not the right person to help, where is our responsibility in that? Coaching might attract clients with a variety of needs, and because it's often a shorter-term investment with less stigma attached, it might seem like a more accessible option. Where too does positive psychology sit in this? What role does it have to play in ill health, when its initial remit was, as Peterson tells us, to build on the good in life, not repair the bad? Ethical Considerations Navigating this uncertainty is our responsibility as practitioners. We need to understand and acknowledge where we are comfortable to go with our clients and when we are moving into territory that is out of our remit, maybe taking on a role better filled by another professional. This shouldn't be seen as a failure. The client simply needs a different set of skills. These discussions with clients must take place prior to the work starting and again at the contracting stage, but should also be an ongoing review as a relationship progresses. Clear contracting is essential. If we agree at the start where we're heading, then it's easy to spot when things are veering into a different direction. But does this mean that positive psychology and coaching doesn't have a place in mental illness? Untangling the confusion. It helps to view mental health and mental illness as two separate constructs. Keith's dual continuum model, 2005, depicts this as two intersecting lines, from high to low mental health and from high to low mental illness. Positive psychology's aim was to support those who were mentally well, but at the same time languishing in low mental health. Of course, people with chronic condition are not constantly in a state of crisis and might be managing their symptoms effectively, so it can be in a position of high mental illness, but good mental health. And our bodies follow cycles, daily, monthly, seasonal, and longer, and we can cycle in and out of illness. Learning to not resist these rhythms can be a part of navigating periods of mental ill health with less fallout. Positive psychology is first and foremost about self-awareness and self-knowledge. It helps build skills and learn strategies that can support us. To paraphrase St. Francis, change what we can, accept what we can't, and recognise the difference. Mental recovery. This kind of positive self-management supports those living with chronic conditions. When time and energy are at a premium, knowing what strengthens and what erodes of resilience is key. Self-determination theory is all about becoming your own expert, building confidence and trust in yourself. And these are all areas that positive psychology and coaching can support. So personally, I believe there is a place for building mental health alongside treatment and recovery of mental illness. This work reduces the recurrence of illness and helps restore us to pre-illness levels of mental health or beyond through developing new techniques and ways of being that sustain us. Restocking our mental assets. 
Positive psychology helps us identify and build mental assets to boost mental well-being. Assets like hope, optimism, self-compassion, mindset and self-belief. My go-to analogy is the necessity for physical rehab after the cast coming off a broken bone. In the same way, our mental health benefits from a programme of strengthening in areas like confidence. Could it happen again? Identity. I didn't think this would happen to me. Or shame. Does this make me different? People who do better in post-traumatic growth do so when they can find a purpose to their suffering. Positive psychology can support coming to terms with an experience and building a useful, positive narrative about what has happened and even help people to come back stronger. So where is the boundary? For me, the boundary between therapy and positive psychology coaching is not the person's mental health, but the professional's understanding of their remit and what they are comfortable with. Reflection, supervision and training can support this awareness. In our contracting, we need to make clear the purpose of the sessions. Then the areas we dive into with a client can be varied and wide, but much less grey. There is room for the two areas to be worked on simultaneously, separately or consecutively. Perhaps it doesn't raise much conflict in me because of my work in social housing, supporting people who were 5, 10 or even 20 years post-crisis, but still unable to move on. People should not be left in this no-man's land with no access to practices that can sustain and promote healthy minds. If positive psychology is a scientific study of what makes life most worth living, then we must remember that reasons to live are most important to someone struggling with their mental well-being. Keeping that in mind is a compass I use to navigate my decisions of who I feel it is appropriate to work with. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate and comment. Visit our website at thepositivepsychologypeople.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. The Positive Psychology People is dedicated to sharing the evidence-based science of what makes a life worth living. Please share this episode with friends or family or anyone you think might find it valuable. Thank you for your support.